Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back into the Above the Rim podcast on a beautiful Thursday here. It is Thursday, January 7th. I am your host, Tyler, and we have a lot to get into today. I have a great show planned, as always. Today, we will talk about the unpredictability of the NBA season so far. I know it's something that I mentioned when the season started with everything like COVID, the no fans, less travel, and everything like that. I predicted before the season started that this season was going to be very unpredictable from night to night, and it is certainly proving to be, so we will get into that a little bit. We will also get into Bradley Beal's 60 points against the 76ers. Not enough, though. For the Wizards to break through and win the game. What does that mean for Beal? What does that mean for the Wizards? We will talk about that. And also, we're going to talk about some Pelicans on the podcast today. We're going to talk a little bit about some Zion Williamson and how Stan Van Gundy is electing to use him so far. And then we got to talk about the New York Knicks. They are 5-3 and three to start the season, but can they keep it up? Or is it just smoke and mirrors? We will get into that a little bit as well so as always we got a packed show for you and let's just get this thing going now i am not a betting man but i know a lot of people who like to bet on the nba from night to night and so far this season betting has just been a complete and utter disaster i mean This season's just so unpredictable, and like I said, I think it's due to the COVID, the contact tracing, people missing games, and you got no fans, and really the less travel thing, I think, is playing a bigger role than we might have thought. If you've noticed with the way the NBA's done their schedule, they like to put teams in places that they'll be for a few days, whether that means they play the same team twice or they're going to be in the same area. So, for instance, the NBA this year, which is something they haven't done before, but this year, if you play the Warriors, say, today, Well, then tomorrow you might go to L.A. and play the Clippers or the Lakers, or they'll have you stay in Oakland and play the Warriors, which leads to a lot less travel. Whereas before, I mean, the NBA would send you just about everywhere. They send you to Oakland one night and then New York the next night. I mean, that's just the way it was. They're not doing that this year, and it's actually made for some pretty entertaining basketball. And I think having no fans there is making for some entertaining basketball as well. Now we talked before the season started and one of my storylines was the COVID-19 and everything of that nature and how this season will be very intriguing. Now that doesn't mean that you can't kind of pick out what teams you believe are true legit contenders or not. But what it does mean is that from night to night, any team can win. And that's what we're seeing so far. I mean, I just had the jazz in my power rankings. If you listen to Tuesday's pod, I put the jazz at number five because I thought that they would come out this week and they would beat the Nets without KD and improve their record. And the Jazz are a team that's beat some good teams so far this year. I believe they beat the Blazers and the Clippers, handled the Clippers very nicely, and then they go to the Brooklyn, no KD, and then they get swamped. And then the next night, they go to New York. That's part of the NBA schedule. Like I was talking about, they played in Brooklyn one night. The next night, they play in New York. A game that we all thought the Jazz would win as well, and they go out and lose that one as well. So the NBA season's been very unpredictable. I mean, just look at these teams with great records. You have the Indiana Pacers right now, who I believe, let me check real quick, the Indiana Pacers at 6-2. and Not a lot of people thought that they would start out this good, and if they continue, they can be a top 4 or 5 team in the Eastern Conference this season. All right? Then you also have the Orlando Magic at 6-2. and 
And then you have the Knicks at five and three, which we'll get into a little bit later. But you also have teams like Cleveland at four and four, Atlanta at four and four, Chicago at four and five, Miami, the team that made it to the finals out of the East last year is only three and four. So there is a lot of unpredictability going on right now in the NBA. And I think it's making betting people really lose their hair. I really do. And I kind of like it. You know, the NBA has been talked down to a lot because of there's not that much parity in the league or there's only a few teams that can contend when honestly it it's a stupid thing to say because you look across all sports. There's you know who's going to contend before the season starts in all sports. I mean, that's nothing that's not breaking news. It's not something you find out midway through the season, but people act like it is for other sports except for the NBA. But the NBA is really in a good place right now with the unpredictability of their season. It's brought in more eyes. Their viewership is up from last season and really up from the bubble, which is very nice. And I think it's actually good for the NBA. You know, you had the Blazers start out hot. They had some impressive wins against some good teams. Now they've kind of tailed off. And you're going to see a lot of this throughout the season, especially with the COVID and things like that and no fans. And really, I think having no fans is helping the younger players. If you look across the league, it's really the younger teams that are thriving so far at the start of the season. Well, maybe not thriving, but doing a lot better than maybe we suspected. And it's kind of the veteran teams that are kind of tailing off just a little bit and not not playing up to what we would think that they would. So all in all, I think this bodes well for the NBA, and it's going to be a very intriguing season. I've said it before. There's going to be some false records in there. You know, you can look at the Magic right now. I don't mind if you say that the Magic are a false record because they're 6-2. and two. Do I believe they're going to keep that up? No, I don't. The Knicks are 5-3. and three. I mean, who knows if they'll keep it up. Well, like I said, we'll talk about them a little bit later. Cleveland right now, 4-4. Four and four. You know, it's a lot of interesting things going on in the NBA, and who knows if they'll keep it up. But this is part of the bigger picture that we talked about before the season started with, with being that it's going to be a very intriguing year, you know. You might get the two teams you predicted in the finals at the beginning of the year. You might still get them in the finals. But from night to night, especially if you're a league pass type of guy, there's a lot of interesting things to watch from night to night. And it's been a lot more compelling than it has in the past, in my opinion. And hopefully the NBA certainly can keep it up, no doubt. And it's not just the teams that are impressive that we didn't think would be impressive at this point in the season that's interesting it's also the teams that we thought would be very good going into the season that are kind of struggling like we already mentioned the heat and then you know we have to mention the nuggets they're kind of off to a very very slow start and a lot of this has to do i think with you know the covid thing the nuggets have lost porter jr to that and everything of that nature so it's going to be something to watch really all year and i see a lot of these teams going through really a roller coaster ride it's going to be ups it's going to be downs and i think every team is going to have it i don't think there's going to be any one team in the league that's just constantly up if that makes sense i don't think that's the year for that and hopefully since the nba brought in this whole playing tournament for the playoffs hopefully this year the playing tournament's really interesting. I really, I'm really rooting for it because I think that's something that will draw viewership. I think the NBA needs a little bit of that spice. You know what I'm saying? I think they need a little bit of more teams to have a chance. And I'm looking across the league right now. There's 30 teams in the league. I would say there's about 20 teams overall. You could look at right now and say, "Hey, I think this team has a shot to make the playoffs, whether it be the plan or whether they get in as a higher seed." doesn't really matter, but 
20 teams possibly looking at to make the playoffs. That's a lot more if you think about it than years past. And it's going to make for a very good season. And for that, I am very excited. And for that, it makes League Pass a much better watch. And speaking of fun League Pass watches, I would be remiss if I did not talk about Bradley Beal putting up 60 points against the 76ers last night. But, but 60 points sounds great. The war or the Wizards still could not get it done. And it kind of really just sums up Beal's career with the Wizards so far. I think everyone knows that Bradley Beal is the real deal as a player. I mean, his numbers certainly say so. Let me just read you game for game so far this season through eight of what Bradley Beal has done, all right, in terms of points. Game one, he's at 31, then he had 39, then he had 29, then 29, then 28, then 31, then 27, then 60. So I don't think there's any debating the kind of player Bradley Beal is, just like there hasn't been his whole career. But what's a microcosm of his career in Washington is the fact that he could put up a 60-point night, and most of the night they were down by double figures. I mean, that is the... That is the microcosm. That basically sums up Bradley Beal's career so far in Washington. And it kind of makes you feel bad for the guy. I mean, it, it really does. Because you you know if Bradley Beal was on the right team at the right time with the right type of players and he was doing this stuff, Bradley Beal would be recognized today as a a top 10 NBA player. No doubt about it in my mind a top 10 NBA player. But because he plays for the Wizards, he's not viewed that way. And last season, we saw it. I don't even think he got voted to the All-Star game because the Wizards were so bad. And like I said, the score 60 points on a great, great night. If you watch that game, Bradley Beal was flowing, man. He was hot. And on a career night, they still find a way to lose. It just sums up his career in Washington. And you really couldn't feel worse for the guy. But... You know, we do got to talk about his 60 points because what was interesting to me, which not a lot of people have talked about today, is Bradley Beal had 57 points through just three quarters in that game. And then in the fourth quarter, he only had three. Now, when you're watching the game and he's got 57 through three, I'm telling you right now, I was like, oh, this guy can go for 70. He's going to do it. He's going to go through 470. And to the Wizards' credit, they did come back and make it a game. They only lost by five when most of the game, like I said, they were down by double figures. They were down all game, really, by like 18 points. You know, pretty much all game every time I was, you know, paying attention to it. So for them to make it a game, I guess, is a good sign. But for Bill to score 60 and them not be able to win that game, especially when the team scores 136, just basically is everything wrong with Washington right now. There is no defense, no defense, and you have to feel bad for Beal, and I suspect, and I've said this before, but I do suspect, I'm starting to think, I saw Beal last night, if you watch his body language, if you just watch the way that he's kind of carrying himself, you get the feeling that he's kind of just getting tired of it. You get the feeling that he's kind of hitting his breaking point, and everyone has it. Everyone has a breaking point. Bradley Beal is no different, and. If the Wizards do not turn this around and become a 
at least a bottom of the line Eastern Conference team in terms of the playoffs, if they're not battling for that eighth seed by the trade deadline, then I am fully expecting Beal to ask for a trade. Now, I know he's been vehemently against it in the past. I get it. We all get it. He said it before. But I'm telling you, just watch him. Just watch him. He's starting to get tired of it. And, you know, players really start to get tired of it. And it's not so much about winning. You know, like, if you're losing, but you're still getting the recognition that you deserve, well, then you're probably still a little bit happy. It's the fact for Beal that he hasn't really gotten that recognition around the league and really from around media outlets such as podcasts like this or ESPN. You know, there's a lot of people out there that really don't know how great of a player Bradley Beal is, and it's a travesty. And it's bad for his career. Like, I always laugh when people say, oh, my goodness, you know, another NBA player wants to move to try to win. And it's like, well, yeah, because – People think nothing of you, no matter what you do, unless you win. If you're not winning, nobody's out here calling you a great player. Nobody's out here putting you in the all-star game. And Bradley Beal is a perfect example of that. So why would Beal want to stay with the Wizards, you know? I always laugh at people when they make fun of players that want to leave to a better situation. Because it's just like, you know, in your everyday life, if there was a better situation out there for you, you would probably take it, right? But we expect these NBA players to hang tough and not take a better opportunity when it comes along, one that they've earned. So I'm not going to be one of those guys that gets on Beal if he requests a trade because I think it's coming. I really do. I look at this Wizards team. They they have talent. I, they really do. Offensively, they're a great team. 136 points, but they don't play any defense. And I'm looking at Beal. He is really what could be the missing piece for a lot of these teams. You know, I don't like it. I don't like it if the Nuggets were to trade for James Harden, say. But if they were to trade for Bradley Beal, I think he's a much better fit. And I think he would help a team like the Nuggets or the Heat. He is that missing link that could get a team over the hump. He is. And we just saw a few nights ago, you know, Steph Curry. 62 points. Everyone's talking about it. It's all over social media. Everyone's hyped. Oh, my goodness. Steph Curry is back. Beal scored 60. You know, there's limited social media talk. Not a lot of people talking about it. Now, of course, it helped that Steph won his game. But I feel like even if Steph didn't win, a lot of people would be going crazy about it. And it's just not the same energy for Beal. And mainly because he hasn't really been a winner his whole career. You know, you put Beal on a winner, these things become a lot bigger stories and they become a lot bigger deals. And it's going to be very important for Washington to really get this thing on the right track, especially since Westbrook last night dislocated his finger. I saw him go to the locker room late in the game. He didn't return. And I was thinking that maybe it would be a lot more serious. He was holding his hand. I couldn't tell if it was his wrist or one of his fingers or what it was. I thought maybe it was a wrist and I thought maybe he would miss a lot of time, but According to the Wizards, he did suffer a dislocated finger, but he may not miss any time with that. Either way, though, you're talking about a Westbrook who's struggling to shoot, not only from the outside, which is what we're expecting him to struggle to shoot with, right? The outside shot. He's not very good at it. You know what I mean? Not very good at the outside shot, but he's also struggling to shoot it inside. He's struggling with layups. He's struggling with all of that. He's struggling to get to the basket. He's struggling to get to the line. 
And even if he does play, I mean, a dislocated finger is not, it's not something you want to have if you're struggling shooting the ball. And we'll just have to see how it all plays out. But Beal is definitely later this season if this continues for the Wizards. I've said it before, and I'll say it again and again and again. If this continues for the Wizards, Beal is going to be a trade target before that March 25th trade deadline. And that's just going to be the facts of the matter. And if you're the Nuggets, I would not go in for James Harden, but you bet you I would go in for Bradley Beal. I would. Same with the Miami Heat. Not sure I would go all in for James Harden, even though he is an all-world talent. But I would give some serious, serious consideration to go after Bradley Beal for sure. It's going to be something to watch all season, and it's going to be interesting. But Bradley Beal does deserve some love for his 60 points because, hell, 60 points is hard to do. Not a lot of people do it. And it is very entertaining to watch. And I know I enjoyed myself last night watching it. And I hope you did too. Now we move on to another team that I've been watching very closely this season. And probably will watch closely all season. Because they have arguably one of the biggest stars in the NBA right now. And I know he's young. He's only in his second year. But however you slice it, however you put it, eyeballs are drawn to one Zion Williamson. So. Naturally, I'm interested to see what the Pelicans are doing. And one thing I've noticed so far about the Pelicans that is very interesting and very good because I was very critical of the way they handled Zion last year. I mean, they babied him all year long. They they played him like they were afraid he was going to get hurt. And it's like, when the hell do you do that? When the hell does a team play players because they're afraid of them getting hurt, especially when they're like 19 years old. You know, you just don't see that very often, but we saw it last year. And one thing that I am just beyond happy about this season is that Zion Williamson has no minutes restriction. He is averaging about 32 minutes per game, which is up about four minutes from last season. He's averaging about 32 this year. Last season, he only played about 28, and we all know about all the games that he missed. And I think a lot of NBA fans, not just me, were very turned off by the idea of babying Zion to the extent that they chose to do. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a kid. He wants to play, and Stan Van Gundy came into this season saying that there was going to be no minutes restriction, and, you know, I was kind of skeptical about it because I was like, well, you know, we'll see what David Griffin says about that, the GM. You know, maybe he wants to have a restriction on it, but Stan Van Gundy did say that there was going to be no restriction, and so far... There hasn't, and right now, early in the season, they're fourth in the Western Conference. Now, everything is jumbled up together, so that doesn't mean much. They're only 4-4, four and four. but I think Zion playing more minutes is going to lead to the Pelicans being a better team overall, you know? When you look at the Pelicans, they are a Zion and Brandon Ingram heavy team, especially offensively. Those guys carry the show offensively, and it's a good in-and-out combo. I've enjoyed watching it all season, but the biggest thing to me is Zion's minutes. If he's going to play this much, he is going to make an impact. It's hard to make an impact when you're only getting about 20 minutes a game. It's just hard. You can't do as much with that amount of time. If and, You know, it's, it's, just, it's just hard. Let's just put it that way. It is very hard, and it's up to the coach, really. We all know Zion. He, he goes 1,000 miles per hour every minute, it seems. And that's a lot of torque to put on that big body, that big frame. Although we did talk about he 
He lost about 25 pounds going into the season. That's something that has been reported, and that's good for him. But when you play that hard, it's really going to be up to the coach to figure out ways that you can play longer and harder. And one of the things that Stan Van Gundy's done so far, which is very interesting, is the Pelicans have the biggest drop in pace of play this season. They've gone from 103.9 possessions last year, so basically 104 possessions, to just 99. And I know that doesn't seem like an all-worldly jump, but when you're talking about the biggest drop in pace, that is a big jump. From 104 possessions to 99. And things like that are what's going to help Zion stay healthy, and they're going to help Zion play more minutes because Zion, make no mistake about it. If you watch the guy, he plays hard. He plays very hard, a lot harder than a lot of NBA players. And when you look at his body, you know, the 6'6", 280, it's a lot of torque to put on those knees. It's a lot of athleticism for that type of body. And people wondered if he can do it for an extended amount of time. Well, one thing that Sam Van Gunny's done, like I said, is lowering the pace of pay, uh, play. And it's going to bode well for the Pelicans. It already has their 4-4. Four and four. They're only 500 right now, but they are competing in the Western Conference, and I can see a path for them to compete for a playoff spot. I really can. And, and, and Stan Van Gundy deserves a lot of credit for that because, as I said, it's the coach's job to find a way to kind of make it all work. And he's making it work right now. So Stan Van Gundy deserves a lot of credit, and NBA fans everywhere should just be absolutely ecstatic that Zion Williamson is playing 32 minutes a game. They should be ecstatic because I know last year a lot of people were disappointed with Zion's minutes. Pelican fans, NBA fans, NBA analysts, NBA media. A lot of people were upset. All right, let's just put it that way. But this year, the Pelicans are giving us what we want, and what we want is Zion Williamson and Stan Van Gundy's making it happen. So, Give Stan Van Gundy all the credit in the world for that, and we'll have to see where the Pelicans go this season because they're certainly one of the most interesting teams to watch night to night on League Pass because it's kind of a jumbled roster. You know what I'm saying? Like Steven, Ad- I'm not sure how Steven Adams really fits into her, this roster, but they're still very fun to watch and very interesting, and a lot of that is because of Zion. So hopefully he can stay healthy, and I really hope that he continues his 32 minutes per game pace because that's really what we want to see from Zion at this point in his career. I don't think we want to see anything less. And if you look at his stats so far this season, he's done pretty good. He's done pretty good. He's averaging 21 points on 56% shooting, which is just ridiculous. 56%. Now, we all know he gets most of his baskets close to to the basket, but still, 56% is... He's wilding out there. And he has a few games so far with 38 minutes in. So Stan Van Gundy's really letting him go. And it turns out by his numbers, he's he, it's looking good for him. And we'll just have to see if he and the Pelicans can keep that up. But Zion Williamson, definitely a lot of eyes will be on him all year. And I'm pleased with what I've seen so far. Speaking of being pleased with what I've seen so far, we do got to talk about one of the early season surprises, and that would be the New York Knicks. I didn't bring him up on Tuesday's pod where we talked about early season surprises because I kind of wanted to see what would happen so far, but they are 5-3 and three this season, and the question is, can they keep it up, or is it just smoke and mirrors 
because there are some concerning things about this team. Now, if you look at them more statistically than you look at their 27th in offense and their 11th in defense, obviously 27th in offense is probably not going to get it done throughout the whole year. And they don't have a whole lot of offensive weapons per se, but what they can hang their hat on is being 11th in defense. If they can stay in that middle of the pack type of range, that can win them some games in the Eastern Conference for sure, because there are some teams in the East that's defenses are just atrocious. Let's just call it what it is. But when you look at the Knicks, there's one interesting thing to look at here. The opponent's shot quality, excuse me. So the opponent's shot quality versus their shot percentage within those quality shots. And it's the biggest drop in the league so far this season. So what does that mean in a nutshell? It means that teams are missing a lot of open shots against the Knicks. So in a way, they're getting a little bit lucky. But overall, you can't really hate on the Knicks. I mean, for the first time in eight years, the Knicks have a winning record through eight games. For the first time in eight years, they have a winning record through eight games. That's pretty impressive. Tom Thibodeau deserves a lot of credit. And when you look at that 11th in defense, even though teams are missing open shots, I get it. They're missing open shots, and of course they are. But we have to look at the results. It's a result-based league. It's a result-based business. And if you look at the results, 11th in defense, that's what Tibbs does. That's what Thibodeau does. He is an excellent defensive coach. And what he does the best is bring out the effort, especially in young people. He gets them motivated to play which is a lot more than a lot of coaches do in the NBA today. I'll tell you that right now. Thibodeau does get these teams motivated to play. And then you look at their guy, R.J. Barrett, number two overall pick, I believe. 17.1 points per game so far this season, 7.2 rebounds and 3.4 assists in 38 minutes of action. Now, the thing that's concerning is only 38% field goal percentage. So clearly he's going to need to get that up. I'm not sure that 38% field goal percentage is, is sustainable throughout the season. I certainly don't think it is. What that means is 17 points per game. It means he's taking a lot of shots. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it means he's certainly taking a lot of shots. So Barrett needs to become a lot more efficient. But Julius Randle has been flat out fantastic so far this year. He's averaging 23 and 12 rebounds and 7.5 assists per game with 38 minutes a game and 48.5% from the field. So Julius Randle's really bringing his A game. Thibodeau's really bringing it out of him, and that's what Thibodeau does. Like I said, he knows how to get the best out of the roster, especially when the roster is subpar. Let's just call it what it is. This roster is a subpar roster, but this is kind of where Tom Thibodeau thrives, is it not? If you've been watching Thibodeau throughout his career, this is really where he does thrive, and the Knicks are kind of fun to watch. And although I do think this is more just smoke and mirrors, like I'm not, I don't think the Knicks are going to end the season above 500. I really don't. That's my gut feeling at this point, even though they've had a great start, which is why it's so hard to talk about the NBA right now, because you just really don't know. You don't know what is going to be sustainable and what is not. So we're just guessing at this point. And right now, for me, the 5-3 and three record is just smoke and mirrors, but the Knicks are certainly moving in the right direction. They certainly are, and it makes me think as a basketball fan, man, how good would the NBA be right now if the Knicks were good? I mean, you watch their games on the league pass or on TV, 
And you you watch him at the garden, and the lights just hit the court different at the garden. It just feels different, right? It's kind of like the Lakers in L.A. When the lights hit the court, it, just, it looks brighter. It just looks more appealing to the eye. And the Knicks have that same appeal as the Lakers, and the NBA really could do with the Knicks being good again. And I could do for the Knicks being good again. I'm telling you right now, I would be ecstatic if the Knicks were good again because New York, it's a big, big market. And I'm not one of those guys that necessarily believes that the big market teams need to be great in order for the NBA to succeed. I don't believe that. I actually think they gain more from small market teams being successful than big market teams. But the Knicks are one of those teams where you just sit back and say, damn, I wish they were good. I wish Kyrie and KD decided to go to New York over Brooklyn. I really do. And even though Brooklyn's getting more local TV ratings than New York this year, which is explainable because they have KD and Kyrie, and even though that happens, but just look at the two courts. Just look how different of a feel it is. You know, you look at Brooklyn's court, it's like dark, it's gray, it's somber. You know, sometimes it's kind of hard to watch. Then you look at the Knicks court, it's bright. It's, It's where the superstars love to play. Just imagine if Kyrie and KD decided to go to New York. It would be a frenzy out there. But I will say right now, it's it's smoke and mirrors for me with the Knicks. And when you look at the opponent's shot quality versus the percentage of them hitting their shots being the biggest drop in the league, I mean, this lets you know that teams aren't really hitting open shots, and it's, it's going to be harder to sustain that. It lets me know that it's not so much the Knicks' defense that's doing this. It's, it's the other offenses that are doing it. So it's going to be interesting to watch throughout the year. But Julius Randle, whew. Julius Randle, he's a player. There was a time when he played for the Lakers. A lot of people didn't know if he would be a player. Well, he is a player now, and Coach Thibs deserves a lot of credit. And if the Knicks make the playoffs, he is going to be on a short list of Coach of the Year for sure. It'll be something to watch. But as I said before, I think this is going to be just a smoke and mirrors type of thing. But, hey, for the beginning of the season, it's a fun watch. It's a fun watch. Austin Rivers is doing a lot of good things for this team, and – If you're bored one night, don't have anything to watch, throw on the Knicks. You might be presently surprised, as I have been so far. Speaking of pleasant surprises so far this season, I would be remiss if I did not bring up the Orlando Magic, who are off to a very nice 6-2 start, and nobody predicted that. I don't care who you are. It might not stand, but... Nobody in this world, in the basketball world, thought that the Magic would start 6-2. and two. And if you do, if you say that you did, you're lying. That's just the way it is. But they suffered a big blow to their season last night, and that is Markel Fultz went down with a non-contact injury. We saw it with Spencer Dinwiddie earlier this year. Markel Fultz is the next victim of it. He's out for the year, non-contact injury with a torn ACL, and... You know, for the Magic, I think we all know what this means. Um, It's going to be very hard for them to make the playoffs. It was going to be before this injury. Now it is definitely going to be, even with the hot start. I'm not afraid to say that. Even with the hot start, this team's going to have a hard time making the NBA playoffs, and losing Fultz for the year just makes it that much harder. And now to the personal side, you just have to feel for Fultz, right? You have to. 
You absolutely have to. This is a guy, when he came out of the league, number one pick, everyone his first few years called him a bust. This is a guy who couldn't figure out how to shoot a jump shot. He was the number one pick and couldn't figure out how to shoot a jump shot. And it was ugly at times for the Sixers. It was really ugly. And I'm not saying that this year or whatever, he was going to live up to his number one pick because I'm not quite so sure he'll ever live up to that. But damn, he was starting to turn a corner. He was having a good season. He had a better season last year. And for him to go through being the number one pick, being called a bust, getting all that negative energy thrown at him to changing his shot, changing his game. And I can't say enough about his shot because it was a while there. The mechanics were almost unwatchable. That is how weird it looked. And he changed it, and he really, really improved. And for this to happen to him, it's just another roadblock for him, and I'm sure he can get through it, but that doesn't mean it's not devastating for him. To go through this right now, when he started to turn things around, it's got to be devastating. And you have to feel for him. He's someone that could have been a very early candidate for most improved player. He's averaging 13 points per game and six assists a game, basically. And like I said, does that live up to his number one draft status? No, it does not. It does not. I'm not saying that. But when you look at where he was a few years ago with the Sixers to where he was this year and last year as well, it makes it very impressive, the strides that he made. He was showing flashes of why he was the number one pick, and this is a devastating injury for him. I'm sure he'll come back strong, and I know we're all going to root for him to come back strong, but like I said, it doesn't make it any less devastating. And for the Magic... They've, they've got to be pretty heartbroken themselves because off to that great start, Fultz was pretty much a good part of that. And now it's back to the drawing board for the Magic, and now they're going to struggle. I really do believe they're going to struggle without him, and I think if they kept him in there, the Magic could have been a team that was racing for one of those last playoff spots in the Eastern Conference. I really do. Now, it's not so much looking like that, but... Prayers up to Mark Fultz. I certainly wish him a speedy recovery because he was a joy to watch this season so far, and I was enjoying seeing the growth from where he was with the Sixers to now. But all of that is just talk now, and we'll have to wait to see how he comes back. But I certainly wish him the best and big blow for the Orlando Magic, and I did not want to leave the podcast without talking about that. Mainly, number one, because Marco Fultz isn't someone we're going to talk about on a regular basis, and number two, because the Orlando Magic are not a team that we'll probably talk about on a regular basis on this podcast, unless they somehow find a way to make some major noise this year. So you got to talk about them when they can, and just bad, bad injury for Fultz. Hopefully he can come back from it, though. And with all of that out of the way, it is time to end our Thursday show as we usually do here. And that is by looking ahead to games this week and this weekend that could be very interesting and could be very good watches, whether they're on ESPN, whether they're only on League Pass, you know, who knows. But I do want to give out some games that will be good watches. And we're going to skip tonight's games because by the time, you know, the podcast comes out tonight, 
these games will already be going. So no need to say tonight's games. But tomorrow, we do have some good ones. The Wizards and Celtics, that's an interesting one, mainly because, hey, you got to watch the Wizards. We don't know what's going to happen with Beal. We don't know if Westbrook's going to play tomorrow. But it kind of seems like the Wizards are in a position where Westbrook's going to need to play, right? I mean, if he doesn't play, how I don't see them beating the Celtics. But as I've said, this season is so unpredictable. Westbrook probably won't play, and the Wizards will probably get the win by 20 because that's just the way the season has gone. Also, tomorrow night, you have the Jazz and the Bucks. Very interesting game. The Jazz have two straight losses. The Bucks are only four and three. Uh, it's, that's an interesting game. That's a big game right there, and that'll that'll be a good one. Then also you have the Clippers and Warriors. We talked about it earlier with the season schedule. The Clippers played Golden State last night in Golden State. Well, guess what? Friday night, they'll play them in Golden State again. And then Saturday, there's one I'm really looking forward to Saturday. It's a very, very good one, and it's the Nuggets and the Sixers. Do the Sixers continue their momentum, and do the Nuggets continue their downfall, quite frankly? Well, that's going to be an interesting watch. You also have the Heat and the Wizards, and then the Suns and the Pacers. Very underrated teams there, Suns and the Pacers. Same record in the NBA. They are beasting so far this season. I believe they're both 6-2. and two. So that's going to be one to watch for sure. And then we keep it moving to Sunday. Let's see what we got on Sunday here. Sorry, guys. I'm searching as I tell you guys about them. Sunday, we just have the Jazz and the Pistons. That's not the only game, but with the Jazz maybe losing a few games to start here, or a few games in a row here, that's going to be a very interesting game. You don't want to drop the game against the Bucks, and then somehow find a way to drop the game against the Pistons. Otherwise, it may be panic time, and otherwise, I would look bad for putting them in my power rankings earlier this week. But although I did say that the power rankings are more of a week-to-week basis, and there are going to be some teams in there that a lot of people might not agree with. But moving on to Sunday here with more games, we do have the Heat and the Celtics. They play again. They had a great game last night. Pritchard hitting the game-winning shot. Who would have thought, right? Pritchard may be a guy that can make some difference for the Celtics. The Heat struggling. That's going to be a game on Sunday. I'm going to watch the Heat, and if they don't win, I think it's going to be time to put up some red flags for the Miami Heat for sure. You also have the Lakers and Rockets on Sunday night, and then Monday we move to the Suns and the Wizards. That'll be an interesting one. 76ers and Hawks, of course, will be very interesting. So, lot to look forward to this week in the NBA. Some good games. You know, the games are coming rapidly. They're going to be coming rapidly all season. If you're an NBA fan, you love it like I do. So definitely some games to look forward to. And I do like giving you some games that you can pay attention to and watch that not a lot of other people might be talking about. So definitely pay attention to all those games coming up this week. And with all of that out of the way, that'll do it for today's show, folks. Thursday, January 7th, a few weeks into the NBA season, which has not disappointed to this point, may I say. A lot of good things have happened this season and a lot to look forward to in my eyes. But as I said, that'll do it for today's show. If you like the podcast, be sure to give it a follow, give it a like, or whatever there is, wherever you listen to the podcast. And also... Go ahead and go on Facebook and search the Above the Rim podcast. We are now on Facebook. Should be pretty easy to find. And go ahead and join in on the discussion. The more, the merrier when you're talking about basketball. That is what we like to do here is talk basketball. So do not 
be afraid to do that. But as I said, Thursday, January 7th, that'll do it for us today. And we will see you next week.